Listen, brother, I think you're in sin. This is the problem. You need to repent. Jesus said, blessed are you when men curse you and persecute you for his name. God's law is love. And to break God's law is hate. What is your standard of judging? My standard of judging is the Bible. I expect to be persecuted, hated, and sent to jail. And little do the heathen know, it only strengthens my faith even more. Welcome to Street Salvation with your host, Kevin Collier. Thanks for joining us. This new program will provide a forum for open-air ministries and street evangelists who are on the front lines in spiritual warfare, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to start a little tradition at the top of every program before we start. This is where we flush Satan's filthy edict of political correctness down the toilet into the sewer where it belongs and replace it with biblical correctness in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I think we're set here. My guest today is John McClone, who conducts an open-air ministry in southern Kentucky and enjoys an association with Global Mission for Children. John, welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate the opportunity. John, how did your calling to Christ come about and your journey to a street ministry? Well, I was born again in 96, converted by the Holy Ghost after about maybe nine or ten months of conviction, and I finally surrendered my life. No one was there by myself with the Holy Ghost and cried out to him in confession and didn't get off my face until I was assured by the Holy Spirit that I'd been forgiven. So the Lord did a huge work in my life. I was a drunkard and a womanizer and liar and a thief and druggie, and, and so he just radically changed me. I quickly went into the church. I was called to go into the church, and within, I don't know, four or five months, I was being taught that you know, we're all sinners and we all have to sin every day, and so I began to live according to those teachings and uh, became lukewarm. I was struggling spiritually because I knew the Lord wanted me to live according to His will and word, but I was being taught things contrary to that, and so I uh, ended up as a lukewarm believer for seven or eight years, and then the Lord got a hold of me again, and I returned to my first love, and that's when I started evangelizing, because that's one of the things that was missing out of my faith, was sharing my faith with other people. The thing about it is, Kevin, is that this is most of Christianity in America, and I dare say even the world that people are so fearful of other people and what they think of them, they won't tell them the simple truths that the Bible tells all of us, even though they read it and they see it. And Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me and my words, uh, <laughs> you have no part of me. So Jesus said some very radical things. You know, He said, if you love your mother more than me, you have no part of me. But people will sacrifice their relationship with Jesus and their faith in Jesus because they don't want to offend their daughter or their mother or their brother or whoever with the truths of what Jesus taught. Fear has emerged in our nation. Where does it come from, and has political correctness harmed our churches and nation? Well, political correctness just bows to the whims of the people that are being ruled by it. It is a fear of man, which the Bible says is a snare. Jesus said, if you fear him who can kill the body and cast the soul into hell. And so well, we should not fear men. It's a stumbling block. It's a snare of the devil. You know, politicians fear other politicians. Politicians fear the voters. The voters fear policies and, and the government. And But we should fear God. And that's a big part of the problem why uh, political correctness comes in, that liberal type of thinking comes in, because if we have no standard, if we have no creator who sets a standard for all human behavior, then... <sighs> Murdering's okay. Pedophilia is okay. Bestiality is okay. Because who are you to judge? Well, God's going to judge ultimately. But Christians are called to judge righteously and to be watchmen on the wall. Ezekiel 3 says that if you don't blow the 
trumpet to warn the wicked to turn from his way, his blood will be upon your hand. But if you've warned him and he doesn't turn, well, then that's his responsibility. But that's part of what the Lord did with me back in 2004, was that I realized I was lukewarm and I was more of a hypocrite than I was before I was converted. Because I'm saying I'm a Christian, but I'm still playing with sin and I'm still doing things the Lord hates. And so it just shocked me you know, that the law is a tutor to bring us to Christ. That's part of the problem. Nobody wants to talk about God's law and God's requirements and standards, moral standards now, not, not ceremonial standards, not sacrificing lambs and bulls, but the moral standards of thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, murder, covet, adultery, all those types of things. Tell my wife this morning, our society is so narcissistic and so mm-hmm. so involved in self. It's just about you know, whatever I can get, just about me. But God has called us, Christ has called us to a low position. Jesus, the creator of the universe and maintainer of the universe, humbled himself, girded himself, and washed the feet of his disciples. And that's a very humbling thing. The most humble act besides the cross that I could think of. We are called to follow him in like manner. Why are so many Christians lukewarm? Do they invest too much emotion in worldly things? That's right, Kevin. James chapter 4 tells us, Adulterers and adulteresses do not know friendship with the world is an enmity with God. And therefore, if you're a friend of the world and the way the world thinks and acts and behaves, the music that you listen to and all these different things that God hates, you're involved in it, you like it, you enjoy it, then you are a hypocrite and you're actually an enemy of God. And this blows friendship evangelism out of the water, that one set of verses. Back in 2004, when I was called to go to the lost, wherever they were, and witness to them, and the word witness in the Greek is martus, which is martyr. It relates to being a martyr. And Jesus said, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. I'll ask your listeners, is your faith walk one that creates animosity with the lost sinners? Are they animus towards you and towards the Savior when you just simply tell them the plain things that the Bible teaches? Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, 14, narrow is the way it leads to life and few find it. Few. Wide is the road to destruction. Most go that way. And so we think of not just our family, but even our ancestors who have gone before us and have died. Most of them are in hell right now waiting for the final judgment in their jail cell in torment. The rich man Lazarus said 2,000 years ago that man is still asking for water. He's not getting any. That's serious, Kevin. I appreciate your show, the fact that you would even want to have someone like me on, because most people consider me to be just a radicalized, crazy nutcase. But I just want people to know what the Bible says. And unfortunately, most churches, getting back to that idea, don't teach everything. They teach the love. God loves you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. That's true. God is a benevolent king. He wants the best for all of mankind, and yet he also knows that most of mankind in their carnal appetites reject him and his authority. And it's really about authority. Who's your authority in your life? Is it you or is it Jesus? And if it's not Jesus, you're in trouble. It's plain and simple. John, talk about Christians who are shunned and isolated. Well, Jesus was isolated. Jesus had his beard ripped out. He was put upon a cross not because he was guilty of anything, but because he was innocent and pure. And because he told the truth. Because he told the truth about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and Bethsaida and Chorazin. And he told the people their hypocrisy and called them to repent and believe. The kingdom of God is near to you. And it was. Then it is now. For every born-again believer, the kingdom of God is in them. And when they go out and let the Holy Spirit pour forth from their heart and mind, the people go crazy. I mean, Paul had whole cities turned upside down in riots because of his preaching. 
And people wonder why when true preaching goes forth and the harsh words that Jesus spoke, and of course the words of kindness and compassion, when you see a humble heart, you have to give the grace of God. When you see a proud, rebellious heart, you have to give them the hammer of God. God's word is like a hammer. It pounded me into submission. The fear of God leads men to repentance. The fear of God leads men to flee the wrath of God to come. And But also the fear of God leads to the perfect love, which is a relationship with Christ, and perfect love casts out fear. Most ministers of the gospel wait for someone to walk through their church door. You go out and bring the gospel to the people. Explain how this direct approach is significant. In our country, in our culture today, Kevin, I almost like Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the weeping prophet for a reason, because people were not repenting. Even if no one repents at the true preaching of Christ, we've been a witness. We've been a martus. Their blood's not on our hands. This is the design of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18, that the foolishness of preaching. People that are perishing consider the preaching of the cross to be foolish. <laughs> I don't need that, man. I'm good. I don't know, maybe hundreds of thousands of times I've heard people say, no, I'm good. And they turn away a gospel track, and they turn away an opportunity to talk about the only one that can save them. For the Christians out there, I would just give them a simple technique that I use. You know, when somebody calls my home to try and sell me something, I'll listen to them for a few moments, and I'll ask them a question. God forbid, if you died today and stood before Jesus, would you be guilty or innocent? Mm-hmm. And it puts the judgment seat in their own hearts. That simple, provoking question. God forbid, I don't want you to die today, but if you did and you stood before Jesus, would you be guilty or innocent? And you know what happens? Most times, their mouth is shut. And they go, well, I'm not sure. Well, don't you want to be sure? Well, I guess I do. It's the most important question to get right in our whole life. There's a final exam for all of us. That's called Judgment Day. And we're going to stand before the holy king of the universe. He's going to judge all humanity. And all of our mouths are going to be shut. And even the lost will say, he's God. Jesus is God. And then he will pronounce judgment upon all the lost sinners who rejected his mercy. That's what the carnal mind doesn't want or doesn't get, is that Jesus has already extended mercy to them. And they have to receive mercy in this life. Or they will be condemned according to what he has already said. And so, is there any warning too strong? When the Bible calls the atheist the fool, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Do I go out and call him a fool? I go out and tell him that God's calling him a fool. That's what I do. God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He has drawn his bow. He ordains arrows for the persecutors. This is serious. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment. Whoa, that's really serious. And Second Thessalonians chapter 1 When the Lord Jesus Christ returns from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who know not God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of God? Yep. That's two Bible verses. I have never heard a pastor preach it. Mm -hmm. Never heard a pastor preach those two verses. Just two. But within those two verses, Kevin, are just huge warnings. In your imagination, what does that look like? Jesus returning from the east to the west with lightning, and the seventh trumpet is sounded, and he's coming back in vengeance, and he's coming back to rend and destroy and then build back up. He's coming to restore the earth to its original pristine condition. How does one begin a street ministry? I would say that from the beginning of me returning to my first love, that the law had done a work again in my heart. And I realized that the churches in America were not talking about God's law and his wrath and his judgment. They were only talking about his love. That God wanted a wonderful plan for your life. When I realized that, how I go about doing this, and Ray Comfort's ministry was very helpful in helping me gospel.
encourage everybody out there that's listening to get some good gospel tracks. Then take those, and you can go to globalmissionforchildren.org, which is another ministry I'm involved with for widows and orphans. And Mm -hmm. we have a great set of gospel tracks, and we can even do custom tracks as well for any of the believers out there. But get a gospel track and just go and hand them out. Go to the street corner, go to the library, go to Walmart, or wherever you might want to go, and just give a piece of paper that tells them about Jesus, tells them about the law, tells them about their guilt, tells them about the cross, about their need to be converted. And boy, praise the Lord, maybe one of them might be converted. You hand out a thousand tracks, maybe one might be converted by handing out a simple piece of paper. And when I did that, living in Hawaii at the time with my family, and when I started doing that out there back in 2004, people would ask questions, well, what is this about? And then it would give me a chance to ask a simple question like, well, God forbid, if you died today and stood before Jesus, would you be guilty or innocent? And that compelling question would lead them to examine themselves and think, well, I guess I'd be guilty. Well, if you're guilty, where's the good judge going to send you, according to him? He's going to send me to everlasting fire, kind of a question mark, right? They They had answer. Yes, that's exactly right. And that should cause you great fear and consternation in your soul. So then tracks will lead you to actually opening your mouth and letting the Spirit pour forth from your heart and your mind, as I mentioned earlier. And Jesus said in John 16, 8, he says, I must go away. And if I go away, I'll send you the Comforter, and he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And so the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, has come to all believers since then. Of course, 40 days he taught after his resurrection and then his ascension. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and they went out in power. They went out in the fire of the Holy Ghost, and Peter preached. And you stiff-necked generation, you killed the one who came for us. You know, our sin is put the Savior on the cross for each of us individually. And we have to recognize that, that, that God has sent his Son, a precious sacrifice, a demonstration of love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is a bloody sacrificial thing. The atonement's the most precious thing in the universe. And people go, nah, no thanks. What? <laughs> you're kidding. So we have to create a thirst in the sinners, a thirst in the lost, and that thirst only comes by understanding God's law and God's judgment to come. And going back to that passage in John, the Holy Spirit abides in us, and he wants to get out of us by our mouth. And this is the way that God says that he's going to do it out of our mouth individually and to witness, to, to speak the truth. The Greek word caruso for preach, the primary word. There's actually three words. Another one's euglesio. The third one I'm not remembering right now, but one is like a one-to-one type conversation. Great. Praise the Lord. Not very efficient, though, because I can do a good one-to-one in about oh, a half hour, 40 minutes. But in a half hour, 40 minutes at a big event, I can preach to 2,000 people. Most of them will reject it right off, but some will stop. And the word went forth, and it doesn't return, the Bible says, so I'm just trusting that. When I go out there and say, repent, the kingdom of God is near to you, then I trust God that that's going to pierce somebody's heart and mind through their ears and their eyes as well, because we've got big signs up with gospel scriptures on it and that type of thing. And we're trying to hand out tracts. We just did the Kentucky Derby up in Louisville for a couple of days. Each day they have about 150,000 people come to that event. Amazing. They're coming to gamble and get drunk and lust and pride and all kinds of stuff like that. Selfishness, right? Yeah. The pit. And do you know that those rich people <laughs> are so hard-hearted, we only handed out about 200 tracks. Wow. Out of all those people that walked by us, we only got about 200 tracks out. 
an event like that is where the preaching is very effective because it's going into their ears. And most people are not so foolish to put fingers in their ears. Sometimes they will, but it's pretty rare, actually. They don't want to appear to be foolish. And so while they're walking by, they're hearing God's Word, and that's going into their heart and their mind. And they're not forgetting it. And I find the people that heckle us the worst are the ones that are perhaps the closest to the kingdom. They're just there, the final resistance, the final uh, rebellion against God. No, I will not do it. And so we'll get a heckler going back and forth with us, and that'll draw a crowd of people around. And now I'm able to preach the whole counsel of God. See, I've given to the proud, I've given the law, but I want to give them grace. It was the grace of God that brings salvation. appeared to all men, teaching us that we should live godly and holy and righteously. Why? For our salvation? No, because of our salvation. Because we've confessed Christ and we've been born again and now we want to do righteously because he's righteous and holy. And if we're following him, we ought to walk just as he walked. What crowds are the toughest to work? Would it be college campuses? Well, I love to preach the college campuses because we have free speech areas that we can work in and students will, not all the time, but many times gather around and go back and forth in dialogue trying to be reasonable. But there's three groups I would throw out there as the most difficult groups, whether you're on a college campus or on the street. The first group is professing lukewarm Christians. They're the worst. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that, right? Even the Muslims are behind them at this point right now. They get red-faced and angry. They spit. They curse. They'll even assault you because you're just quoting Bible verses to them and calling them to stop this wicked thing that they're doing. We'll have people preaching Bible verses to us with a beer in one hand and a shot of whiskey in the other. Mm-hmm. So that's the worst group, lukewarm, professing Christians. It's almost like they've been inoculated with the false gospel, Kevin. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. And then, of course, the Muslims are difficult as well, and then the homosexuals. Yeah. Homosexuals who are supposed to be the most tolerant people in our culture are the most intolerant in regards to Christians. I'm a born-again holiness preacher. Why don't you tolerate me? You guys are supposed to be so tolerant. I've been attacked many times. We've been attacked many times by homosexuals. You know, the police, it's almost like they turn a blind eye to it. It's unfortunate. John, what are some of your personal success stories ministering on the street? There are many, actually, where people will make a profession right on the street. Love to do that. We have one recent one. We live here in south-central Kentucky, and I witnessed to a young man. It's been about seven years ago, and I just found out by report of my oldest son that he's a born-again Christian now. He talks about Jesus all the time. And loves the Lord, loves his word. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. And some plant, some water, God grants the increase. And when I realized how that verse applies to evangelism, it really set me free. Because I'm not responsible to get somebody to make uh, I accept Jesus in my heart kind of nonsense. But I plant a seed, a true gospel seed now, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Because a perverted seed will give you a perverted crop and give you a perverted plant. But a good, whole gospel seed with every part of it that needs to be in there is in there sin, righteousness, and judgment to come, God's mercy, love, and compassion towards all men, and yet most rejected. When you give them the whole word of God, well, God will do his thing with them if they repent. See, God wants them to use their free will righteously mm-hmm. to surrender. It really is a surrender, Kevin. It's as simple as that. All mankind needs to surrender to the Lord of the universe. And if any man would do that and come to that cross and realize Oh, the shame and guilt that he's lived in his life. Ah, he couldn't do anything but the next logical step, which is to confess his sin to Christ and seek the Holy Spirit until he's born again. 
as I was mentioning before about the grace of God, it's appeared to all men. You know, creation leaves all men without excuse. Conscience leaves all men without excuse. The, the Word of God and God's witnesses. Christians, God's witnesses. You need to be out there. You need to be engaging your family, engaging the culture, engaging people with the truth of the gospel. The gospel is going to change our culture. Not boycotts. Boycotting Target is not going to help change people's hearts. But the gospel will change people's hearts. I used to be a thief. I no longer steal. I used to be a liar. I no longer lie. I used to be a whoremonger. I no longer whore around. I used to be a drunkard, liar, thief. And Jesus changed me. Hallelujah. And he can change every person who is willing. Amen. What about the hecklers? Some in the opposition want to cause a scene to give open-air ministry a bad name. Well, God uses that, too. As I was mentioning about hecklers before, the Lord uses that, heckling to draw people around. The carnal mind loves to see bloodshed, and when the carnal mind hears preaching and then there's a guy who wants to punch the preacher in the nose or start a riot, then people draw around to that. And you can see the crowd. I mean, you're out there preaching, glory, hallelujah. You can see people in the crowd that are angry and violent. You can see people that are humble and contrite and kind of listening. I'm here for both. I'm there in that situation. I'm there for both. And if I laid down my life for the Lord Jesus and his glory, amen. If he allows me to live another 10, 20 years to keep doing this or see other laborers raised up. And that's another thing I would say, too, is saints of God, you need to be praying. Harvest is white. The laborers are few. Pray to the Lord the harvest and he will raise up laborers. And I've been praying since 2004 with another group of preachers, and the Lord's just been raising up hundreds of them. They're all over YouTube and Facebook, and, and you can see the open-air preaching movement really moving. And this is the gospel that's going to save people. I'm not trying to get people into my church. I'm trying to get people to come to the cross. And if I'll do that, then God will do a work in their heart, and I don't need to worry about them. I need to just keep praying for more laborers to go out there and preach the whole truth and see more people come to the cross. John, when you encounter a disruptive person, do you feel that that person is lashing out because they are hurting in sin? Yeah, I mean, there are those. That's true. And there are those that are just in complete rebellion like I was. Sinners hurt because sin hurts. Sin is a wound to the soul of mankind. The devils want us to do that, but they're not making us do it like Flip Wilson used to say. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do it. The devil influenced you to do it. And as a sinner, you have to decide which side you want to be on. And so, of course, in our culture and our thinking, many times we, we kind of turn this around to sinners are victims. Sinners are victims of sin. Don't get me wrong. I do have compassion on them. That's why I preach. That's why I witness to them. And sin has horrible fruit that goes with it. Many lesbians will tell of horrible incestual rape stories and things that they'll share with us. So the problem is sin. It's not God. God wanted to protect you from that sin. But God doesn't get in the way of sinners either. He allows things to happen. And maybe it will bring people to repentance, this uh, horrible fruit that they're experiencing in their lives. God did not design women to be lesbians or men to be homosexuals, gays, whatever you would uh, term them. Designed them to be human creatures that worship him according to his standard. His standard is one woman, one man for life. Jesus said, do you not know from the beginning? God made it so. One man, one woman. And uh, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Our Supreme Court has overturned that. They're attempted to overturn that, but they're going to face the Supreme Judge, the Supreme Court of the universe. Each one of those judges is going to face him for the way they judge that. And, of course, it's opened the door to a whole set of other things. I ask myself, Kevin, oftentimes, how is it are people
people in our culture would go from a Christian, God-loving nation into a nation that hates God so much that they would kill Christians. Yeah. We're watching it before our eyes. It's happening right now. When I was growing up in the 60s, most people went to church. Of course, we had problems. We had segregation and racism. Still do. Mm-hmm. But we also had some good things going on as well. We had a respect for the law. Feminism hadn't really hit the college campuses yet. And feminism, that's another idea that's completely anti-God. God has designed women to be wives to their husbands, to be mothers, keepers at home, take care of their children. One of the most important jobs in the universe is being a mom. A hand that rocks the cradle guides a nation. And yet many Christians, so-called, will use the abortion pill or birth control pills. Why are you doing that? Raise up a godly seed. Have large families. Have 10, 12, 14 children like they used to. And raise up a godly seed, a godly generation. And that's another part of the problem with the lukewarm churches. They're not raising up godly seed. They're raising up lukewarm seed that have a perverted gospel that don't understand what the Bible teaches. They don't care to read it. I'm a Christian because I go to church, not because I am the church. John, is Satan hijacking this country? We are allowing that. As a people, we're allowing that. The influences of the media, TV, and movies, music, the public school system is just completely... When I was growing up, we used to have Christian speakers come to our schools, and they would speak about Christ, and they would give Christian analogies. Well, now you have the the homosexuals in there promoting their agenda, LGBTQ, transsexual bathrooms, all this crazy nonsense. It's just nonsensical. You know, without God, the carnal mind just comes up with all kinds of wicked, filthy, vile, disgusting things. And they need to be told that they're not good, but they're wicked, vile, disgusting, filthy creatures before holy God. As hard as that sounds, it does sound harsh, because it is. But before God's holy, fiery eyes, that's exactly what they are. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, 14 says, The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. This is the purpose of mankind, is to worship the God that created them. They want to worship everything else. Worship themselves, worship the creatures, worship the whales, worship the dogs, worship the cats. Every religion is okay except Christianity, that non-inclusive religion. When do street preachers get it right, and where do they get it wrong? That's a really good question, Kevin. From the heart, that's where it goes wrong. It is such a temptation for a person who's been ministering on the streets for any period of time at all to become bitter towards the enemies of God. But Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for them. So that bitterness can creep in. It's happened to me on more than one occasion to become bitter with Christians who are not seemingly doing anything. Of course, that part of bitterness will come out in the preaching. So obviously we have to tell them hard things. We have to tell them the truth from the Bible. We have to make sure it's not us speaking from a carnal anger, but by the Holy Ghost expressing his anger about sin and, and sinners. And But the motive is to see them reconciled. That's the whole idea. Not to make them feel bad because we're calling them names. Jesus used names, and Jesus called people dogs and vipers. John the Baptist, brood of vipers, who told you to flee the wrath to come. Harsh words or names are not the issue. The issue is the heart behind it. Sometimes it's even hard for the preacher to judge himself. It must be a test on your faith all the time. It is. It surely is. Those that are wanting to please the Lord with holy living and obedience in every area that the Lord's instructed them on, they're the greatest targets. The ones that are in chains of sin, of lukewarm sin, well, the devil's got them wrapped up again. He's not concerned about them, but his fiery darts Mm -hmm. are going out to those that want to do the will of the Lord with everything. Jesus said, love God with all of your heart, mind, strength, and soul. 
And I find that the church in America falls drastically and radically short of that. It's just horrifying how bad it is. And we have a surf ministry, and we have a beer ministry, and we have this ministry and that ministry. And what are you doing? We need to minister to lost. We need to minister to widows and orphans. We need to minister to the poor. And you people want to minister to yourself, your selfishness and your sin. Have a, a video game ministry. What? No, man. Get out there and reach out to the lost. The lost need to hear the truth. And yet we know the lost are going to, for the most part, reject the truth, at least at that moment. But we can't be so thin-skinned that we go, oh, you know, I did it wrong. And No, just do it the way God said to do it. It appears to be foolish, and you're not going to make too many friends. And just keep going. Keep pressing into the kingdom for his glory. That at the end, Jesus will say, well done, now good and faithful servant. Enter into your Father's rest. That's the time to rest. Right now we labor. Right now we strive. No, right now we work. Jesus worked and works and is working, and I work. And if we're not working for the kingdom, if we're out there spending $200 to go to the basketball game or the football game or go watch the cheerleaders or going to the bar, well, it's just a little dancing. David danced. You know how many times I've stood outside of a bar preaching? I've heard professing Christians tell me, well, David danced. What's wrong with dancing? Well, you're going in there to get drunk and lust and dirty dance. That's what you're going to do. David wasn't dirty dancing. He was purely dancing, right? <laughs> yeah. And so there's a huge difference what you're going to do and what David did. I want to thank you, John, for sharing with us. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you so much, Kevin. God bless you all as well. Thank you again. John McClone had much to say. He'll be returning to our program very soon. And as we wrap things up... I called Brother Kyle Joe Hicks this morning, who has a street ministry in Detroit, and I asked him to be the guest in our next program and what he's up to this weekend. And this is what he had to say. Feeding a street preacher in the night. The activity of the Vietnam vets tomorrow. Detroit, anytime next week, brother, we'll just make it happen, okay? So that's Brother Joe on our next program. Thank you for listening. Keep us in your prayers as we keep you in ours. Visit us online at streetsalvationpodcast.blogspot.com. Thank you.